I want you to take a moment and think back to your childhood. And specifically think about vacations. And, and while you do that, we've been sitting a long time, and so I'm not going to have you stand and sing, but why don't you just stand up for a minute and scratch and just think back to your childhood and those vacations. I'm going to chill your motive here. I want to make sure everybody stays awake. <laughs> All right, you can have a seat. Now, now, if you're like me, thinking back to your childhood and thinking back to those vacations may not be a very long journey. Because some of us, I think no matter how old we are, we're still kids at heart. And as we think about those childhood vacations, remember that the vacations we experience were often the greatest. It didn't matter if it was a, maybe a long weekend for Labor Day or Thanksgiving or a week-long break for Christmas or months of vacation over the summer. Any break from school was something you waited for with great anticipation. Vacations took forever to arrive, and I think we all agree they ended far too quickly. I remember back to... Christmas vacations as a kid growing up, I would pay close attention to each passing day of the week. And when we reached the, the midpoint of my week off of vacation, I'd begin dreading the end of vacation. There were years I was so focused on the end of that vacation that I didn't really enjoy my time off. Yes, I was, and still am just a little bit weird. I also remember counting down the days of summer vacation. Now, back then, when some of us were kids, there was a popular song by a strange guy named Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper's song's lyrics scream these words. School's out for the summer. School's out forever. No more pencils. No more books. No more teachers' dirty looks. Now, I gotta tell you, I didn't feel as strongly against school as Mr. Cooper did. But I still remember that song. It was an anthem of the last day of school. When that bell rang, sing signaling the end of the school year, it signaled the beginning of freedom. It was great joy. Life was good. Summers were cherished. And it's funny, but by August, you were often bored to tears, but you would never admit it. Life hasn't changed much. We still wait in anticipation for our vacations. It doesn't matter if we're in school or if we're working or if we're retired. Getting away from the house for a weekend is great. A week away from home can feel heavenly. For the working men and women, an out-of-town vacation means an escape from deadlines and bosses and long days and getting up early and job stress. It's a time to... Renew your spirit. For the mom who works at home, vacations are a chance to get away from the right routine of maintaining the household. For kids and teens, vacations are a time to explore new places, to meet new people, and to experience adventures. And for the retired person, a vacation can bring back memories of past vacations as you create new members. Vacations are glorious. Even though out-of-town vacations are amazing, 
it's still always nice to come home. As we pointed out a little earlier, today is Memorial Sunday, and the fact that it's Memorial Sunday means a few things. For one, it is the last Sunday of the church calendar year. And that means next week we begin the season of Advent as we prepare again to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. And like a good vacation, I can't wait for Christmas to come again. And as we said a few minutes ago, Memorial Sunday is also a day we remember those whom the Lord has called home in this past year. And I know it can be a tough day as we remember. The loss may still be fresh in our hearts. We're still grieving. And even if your loss was years ago, a day like today can bring back those feelings of grief and sadness. But today is also a joyous day. And today we share the memories of our loved ones and our hearts are warm. Cherish those memories. Memorial Sunday is also a day to look forward to what you could say is our eternal vacation in paradise with the Lord. As we face more, or as we face four months of the coronavirus pandemic, I think every one of us would agree we would like a vacation from reality. Some of you have lost a loved one. Others have struggled with those that they care about who have become seriously ill. And all of us have struggled against the challenges and restrictions caused by the virus. In our hearts, deep in our hearts, we long for something better. The Apostle Paul provided words to the church at Corinth which reflect this day and this time in history. We just heard those words in our reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And in that passage, Paul speaks of contrast. Paul compared the pain and the suffering of this life to the, the hope of a, of a better country, a heavenly homeland. And this morning, we're going to take a few minutes to focus on that hope. But we're not going to neglect the, the trials of this life because it's those very trials that can actually serve to build our faith in God. Paul began by saying, so we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart as we wait for our heavenly homeland. Just prior to those words in uh, Corinthians, Paul shared reasons why we don't lose heart. And his reasons include our heavenly ministry to the Lord by the mercy of God. Our possessing the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And the fact that since we belong to Christ, even though we face affliction, we're not destroyed, but we have life in us. Paul concluded by providing the ultimate reason that you and I don't lose heart. We know that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence. Not losing heart means we do not lose hope. And for some of you sitting there this morning, hope might seem distant. This virus 
It seems unstoppable. Unstoppable. Or maybe bad decisions by family members have hurt them and they've hurt us and we're concerned for their future. Maybe we're faced with other family challenges, a family member who is no longer able to live on their own, or a broken trust, or alienation by the people who are closest to us, the death of a family member, the loss of a job, or simply the day-to-day -day challenges that come with life. Don't think any of us will forget the last March the virus hit. And with days, everything seemed to shut down. We went from church in this building to virtual church overnight. And I confess, I was stressed. I wasn't sleeping well. Life seemed uncertain. And I know many of you felt the same way. Over the next few months, things started to get better. Things were opening up. The number of people who were contracting the virus dropped. Hospitalizations declined. Fewer lives were being lost to the virus. Hope, hope was beginning to emerge again. Of course, it didn't last, did it? The last few weeks have brought new concerns as the virus has come back with a vengeance. The world is again shutting down. I think many of us are weary. We're getting tired. We're suffering from what you call coronavirus fatigue. Romans 12, verse 12 is helpful. The Apostle Paul wrote, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 4.13 also provide reassurance. Paul was writing to those who loved, whose loved ones had died. And he said this to them, he said, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have died, that she may not grieve as others who have no hope. Now, I didn't say that we weren't supposed to grieve, but we grieve with hope. Paul then continued telling his readers that their loved ones would rise with the coming of the Lord. There would be a great reunion with the Lord. We have hope. In the midst of a pandemic, or when we experience any pain or loss, we can have hope. That's because our hope is in Jesus Christ. He is with us today. God is in control. And through Christ, we have been promised eternal life. But because of that well-grounded hope, we often experience spiritual renewal. Paul said it this way, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Three years ago, Mary and I attended my 40th high school reunion. I was an Aspen Cougar. Yeah, that reunion opened my eyes. My classmates have gotten old. And I discovered I'm not 18 anymore. The, the truth is, is that reunions and birthdays and anniversaries provide us with opportunities to reflect. And, and getting older can be kind of a mixed bag. There are many blessings. The, the older we get, the more I think we can appreciate each day that God has given to us. We see more clearly the beauty of God's creation around us. Time with our parents, children, and siblings is cherished. 
Some of you have been blessed to see your kids grow up. Others of you have experienced the joy of grandbabies. If not our own grandbabies, then the grandbabies of our friends. With age, we can build up this vault of memories. But sadly, we forget where we put the key to that vault. Our memory fails. As we get older, we tend to repeat our favorite stories over and over again, and we don't realize it until our kids say, Dan, I've heard that story about a billion times. Most nights, I receive a reminder that my body is indeed wasting away. My sleep is often interrupted by one or more runs to the bathroom. It's bothersome, to say the least. But I can't see your faces under those masks. But I know some of you are smiling. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You have more stories of your own. But a worn-out body is quite a challenge. And I've been told that it only gets worse. Paul said our outer self, our outer bodies are wasting away. And we say, amen, Paul, you got that right. And, and we try to reverse the trend. We spend millions and millions of dollars trying to reverse the trend, and it's a losing battle. And I have to talk to the young whippersnappers that are out there, those of you who are in your teens and 20s and maybe even early 30s. Just wait. Your day is coming. <laughs> but the fact is, the news is not all bad. Paul also pointed out something very critical about growing older. Yes, our outward self is growing older, but our inner nature, our spirit, is being renewed every day. We're getting younger in our spirit. Now, doesn't that make you feel a little bit better? Spiritual renewal means that each day we can look a little more like Jesus. As we grow older, we can grow to know God more intimately. We can experience greater peace as we submit to God's leading. We gain wisdom. Our spiritual renewal also helps us anticipate the incomparable joy of our heavenly homeland. While we wait for heaven, we anticipate glory. Paul wrote for this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, to look at those words on the screen and you think about it, you might question Paul's choice of words. The fact is, whatever you are experiencing this morning, you might not describe it as light, momentary affliction. If the uncertainty caused by COVID is on your heart, it doesn't feel light. If you're grieving the, the loss of a loved one, it doesn't seem momentary. If you're experiencing overwhelming brokenness, you wouldn't call it a, a promising preparation. The truth is that all of us have experienced brokenness and loss and uncertainty. It is painful, and it hurts, and we often lose sleep, and it can rob us of our joy. It makes it hard sometimes just to get through another day, and all that is true. And yet Paul spoke the truth. 
All of our hardships can be used by God to draw us closer to Him. If, if we're not broken, we don't need God. It's when we realize just how broken that you and I are that we come running into the arms of Jesus. And our brokenness, our afflictions, they'll seem momentary in life when we experience God's glory in heaven. Paul says we will experience an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And Paul has a great way of saying things. I just love that. An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He was saying that Heaven's glory outweighs any suffering or loss we experience in this life. It outweighs it by so much that it's not even worth comparing. I've heard a lot of people say that when they get to heaven, they want to ask God about the pain and suffering in this world. They want to ask Him why. Maybe they will. But I suspect when we get to heaven, God's glory will make our pain and suffering Vanish. The pain was real, I don't think we'll forget it, but it will be like a drop of water in the ocean of God's glory. All that bad stuff will have prepared us for glory. Paul repeated this idea in Romans 8, 18 when he wrote, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And that's what we anticipate. Glory is what we long to experience. And as we anticipate that glory, we look to what is yet not visible. We trust the unseen. Verse 18 says, We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Another scripture passage puts it this way. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes, hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Right now, you and I are stuck in this world. There is beauty. There is goodness. We can delight in the creation that God has given us. And even with all that goodness, the Christian knows that this world is not yet what it's supposed to be. We're already members of God's kingdom. That promise is true. But we're not yet experiencing it. We see the evil, the sin, and the pain of this world, and we long. We long in the deepest part of our soul for something better. When we put our trust in Jesus, heaven is our home. In Hebrews 11, the writer goes through what is commonly called the, the faith hall of fame. He was person after person who possessed great faith. And we know many of the names, names like Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Rahab and David. The writer said that all these people died in faith. They held on to their faith, even though they had not received everything that they had promised. Abraham and Sarah did not live to see the great nation promised to Abraham. Moses led the people out of slavery in Egypt, but he never got to enter the promised land. 
All these people of great faith saw the promises of God revealed from afar in the future. The writer goes on to say they desired a better country, a heavenly one. The New Living Translation of the Bible says it this way. They were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. Like them, we can't see heaven. We can't see our eternal home. The Bible gives us glimpses, but not all the details. And even if the Bible did lay heaven out completely in detail as far as we couldn't comprehend it, heaven is too good for our imagination. Words cannot describe it. But that doesn't mean that we don't long for heaven. It doesn't mean that we don't look forward to what is yet not visible. Heaven is our hope through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the church of Colossae. He says, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. It's a better moment. I've had several recent conversations that have had one statement in common. And that statement was when the person said, wouldn't it be great if Jesus came back today? Wouldn't that be great? If Jesus returned today, all our pains and fears and troubles would be gone. That's why we long for a heavenly homeland. But the, the truth is that God has got work for us to do, here and now. There is much joy in this world through Christ. God gave us life to be Jesus' light in the dark world. And that's where we all find ourselves this morning. We realize that God has got each one of us here for a purpose. We're to love Him. We're to worship Him. We're to love other people. Loving other people means that we share the truth with them. People need to know the Lord. The, the stuff of this world is going to pass away. Heaven's here to stay. When Jesus returns, this world will be renewed. It will be perfected. And so will we. But until then, as long as we have breath, our lives are to point people to Christ. If you trusted in Jesus, know that heaven is your home. If you haven't put your trust in Jesus, I beg you to do it today. Talk to Pastor David, or talk to me, or talk to another Christian. Because heaven can be your home. And Jesus will walk with you today and every day.